Lecture topic. Harms of casting haram glances. See also we have some of his discourses and excerpts from his discourses, which inshallah we will read from and Allah Ta'ala give me and all of us the topic to make amal upon it. As mentioned on many occasions previously as well, it can be easily just expressed, meaning what is the message that can be expressed by merely relating that this is what was mentioned in a talk rather than read out the actual excerpt in Urdu and then translate it into English, whatever might be then expressed thereafter. So that is normally what happens generally in a bayan that is given in some lecture that takes place. It is what has been transmitted to us by our kabir, by our mashayikh, by the ulama kiram. That is what is being relayed and related. We have nothing of our own and are incapable of saying anything from our side. It is purely their teachings that is passed on. In the process sometimes there is some mistake in how it's passed on, but it is their teaching that is passed on. So while that is what normally happens in every talk, every program that takes place, it is the teachings of these pious people that is presented. But reading from their actual words has its own special effect. And therefore this particular program that takes place on a Saturday once a month, we've decided to rather maintain the same format, read something out, read their actual words. The noor that comes through their words that is only in their words. This too has been discussed on many occasions previously, that many of the Akabir, this was their emphasized advice. That even if something is 100% correct in terms of the actual subject matter, but if it has been written by somebody who is irreligious, an impious person, person who is far away from deen, person who is involved in disobedience of Allah Ta'ala blatantly and openly, then that should not be read. It sounds very strange. If what is correct, then what's the problem with reading it? It's because his words carry the effect of his heart. And the words are a carrier of that effect. So that effect comes through. The effect of very simple writings of a person who is, whose heart is filled with the Muhammad of Allah Ta'ala, whose heart is filled with that marifat and recognition of Allah Ta'ala, his simple writing also, his simple words also carry that noor of his heart. And that will have an impact on the heart in a very positive way. And Allah forbid something might be written, though it's written in a very, very captivating way, very fanciful, very, very uh, eloquent, but it's coming from somebody who is far away from deen, somebody whose heart is immersed in dunya, and that is going to bring along that effect. So therefore this is the reason why we read from the Kitab of Al-Kabir on this particular occasion in this program to try and take that benefit directly. 
otherwise it is only their benefit that we try to take in every other program as well by mentioning the te- teaching that they have passed on. So in any case, there is one malfoos here, one extract from one of his talks, advices that he has given. In fact, this was given here in South Africa, in Johannesburg in 2002. So, when Hazrat had come to South Africa at that time, Hazrat Mirsa Rahmatullah who was Hazrat Khadim, used to record everything. And initially at that time when he had, before the more advanced digital recorders came into being and whatever else, so he used to have one small little tape recorder. These are all things to learn. These Bajalis are not for any kind of formal topic, whatever comes in the heart at that time, Allah Ta'ala make it beneficial for us, it's meant to be learning something. So this is just coming to mind now. That was a Misa Rahmatullah who was Hazrat Khadim and he was not a young person at that time, he too himself was elderly. He must have been in his late sixties at that time, oh, well, mid sixties or so. So he used to have a small tape recorder. But now, he didn't have any like, mic, extended external mic. But now to try and capture everything as clearly as possible so that he could then transcribe it without any error. So now the purpose was to try and uh, get the best quality recording. So now for that, he used to sit with that tape recorder held up. So that is or seated on the chair or something, so he's sitting alongside. If he kept it on the floor, it might have been good enough. But his muhabbat was such, and his concern to try and capture everything to the best manner possible, he would sit with that tape recorder in his hand to bring it closer to other's mouth. And now sometimes that program would be maybe one hour long, sometimes even longer than one hour. Now try holding up one's hand with something on top of that being held in the hand for ten minutes. Ten minutes is too much, five minutes will be already tired. He would change his hand from time to time, from the right hand to the left hand and after the five, ten minutes, for that whole one hour but he'll be holding it in that manner. And then he would sit late at night transcribing it. And then this would get published. And all these in volumes is about maybe 15, 18 volumes of just other discourses that are published, these are all what he transcribed. Volumes. Each one has got maybe, I don't know, three, four hundred pages. That's apart from many other books that got published with other advices. But this was all that thicker. Now, he's gone to his cover. We are reading Hazrat's advices, but he's getting the full reward of it. <coughs> He was the means of all this passing on to us. Now, they understood something that this was that need to get this message that has come from the depths of a heart full with Allah Ta'ala's love to get this message to everyone. So now that was a major sacrifice. It was a lot of effort on his side. A lot of, uh, undertook a lot of difficulty, physical difficulty also. And then late night sitting and transcribing at that age, in fact, this whole thing is now going into a different direction, whatever Allah Ta'ala was, he was 
towards the last maybe 8-10 years of his life, he used to be on dialysis daily. Daily dialysis. Many a person who has had to undergo dialysis, so people, Allah Ta'ala give all afir, Allah Ta'ala grant shifa to one and all. But it is something that is very, very draining. By the time they are done with the dialysis session, they are probably unable to do anything much for the rest of the day. It was very draining. His condition was such he had to undergo, first it was I think few times a week, then it became like a daily thing. While the dialysis is taking place, now he's hooked up to that, and he is busy proofreading whatever had been now already typed, so whatever he transcribed and then was sent for typing. So now during the dialysis, he's sitting and proofreading that. And that entire duration of the dialysis, he's engaged in this work. So now the three hours or whatever it's to take. But now this was the zeal to try and capture all this and pass it on to us. But what, why? Because this was something that had come from the depths of a heart of Marifat. And he felt it's so important that nothing must get left out. Everything must get passed on. These are the people who really, they took the pain on themselves for the benefit of the Ummah. For the, sac- the sacrifice they took upon themselves, but so that the Ummah will take the benefit of whatever they, whatever they can pass on. So in any case, coming to the writings of Hazrat, this, this excerpt of this discourse, so the title that he has given it here is Allah Ta'ala ki mahabbat ki alamat, zamanat or basharat. That the sign of a person having gained the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala or that there is some muhabbat and love of Allah existing in his heart. And that aspect which has the guarantee of the love of Allah Ta'ala being granted to him and the glad tidings of that muhabbat and love of Allah Ta'ala coming to him. So what is this aspect? That itself is a sign that this person's heart is blessed with the love of Allah Ta'ala. And that aspect itself which has a guarantee that it will bring along the love of Allah Ta'ala. Father explains and says, first he starts off by saying, Bad naseeb hai wo shakhs jo bad nigahi karta hai. And indeed such a person is very very unfortunate who engages in badnigahi in casting haram glances, in casting lustful glances around, looking at non-maharams, etc. Such a person is indeed very, very unfortunate. Allah ko chhor kar, ghayro mein majhgul hona, ye badnasibi hai. That now this is ghayrullah. This is ghayrullah, anything that is an obstacle in getting closer to Allah Ta'ala, anything that takes a person distances him from Allah Ta'ala is Ghayrullah. So he says to leave Allah Ta'ala and get engrossed in Ghayrullah. What can be more unfortunate than that? This is indeed a very very major misfortune and very great calamity. La ilaha illallah ke khilaf hai. This is completely against the dictates of La ilaha illallah. That in the kalima, kalima ka pehla jumla La ilaha hai. اللہ کے سوا کوئی نہیں ہے کیونکہ جو الہ باطل نظر آ رہے ہیں یہ اصل میں نہیں ہے کیونکہ کچھ دن میں ختم ہو جاتے ہیں 
So in the Kalima it starts off with La ilaha. That there is no deity. Meaning, besides Allah Ta'ala, everything else that we make deities of, our desires, whatever else that we make deities of, this is all batil. This is all completely batil. And the reality of this will open out in a few days when all this will perish. Person is now going mad over somebody in a haram manner. <coughs> but in a few days time that person is perished too. All what he is giving his life over, the haram and the sin and the filth, but all that is also going to perish. And one day he is going to perish too. So all this is batil. Zameen ke upar jitne log hai sau baras ke andar zameen ke niche chale jate Every person also we see walking on the face of this earth, it takes maximum 100 years for an entire generation to be gone. 100 years later, that generation will no more be around. There will be another generation in place. So within 100 is the maximum time that a whole generation is gone. So now is that worthwhile giving one's heart to? So therefore thereafter Hazrat asks the question, dunya. first he says, Yeh dunya ki haqiqat. This is the reality of dunya. Jihada zameen ke upar ye chalti phirti laashe hai. Actually what you are looking around, this is meant to create the nafrat, the aversion in the heart for haram. These kind of sentences which we will just discuss now and translate to understand beforehand that it is not meant to look down upon anybody but it is meant to create the aversion for haram in one's heart. So let's say that all the haram that you see around walking, these are all walking corpses. Now, can a person ever feel inclined towards a corpse? But that is the reality here. Though the reality of it is not apparent right now, but it will become apparent someday. But now he is giving his heart to a corpse, so to say. That which is haram for him. That which is haram for him is no different than giving his heart to a corpse. Because for him, that is no different. This is what is being meant here. Ke sab chalti phirti laashe hai. Kis se dil lagate ho? With who are you trying to console your heart? Haram? Is that going to ever bring any consolation? Is that going to ever become a means of any peace to the heart? This particular topic was a central theme in any discussion. Any bayan, any discussion. This was his standard theme. And he used to even say that people say that this person has already got no other topic to speak on. So he says, well, I'm not going to be dispensing medication for flu when there's a cholera outbreak. So this is to use this example. Now in Pakistan, this will be often this kind of situation in many places where there's sometimes floods and so on. There'll be a major cholera outbreak and people will become very sick. So you see now when people are suffering, there's a cholera outbreak. Now somebody is standing there and dispensing panados for a flu. Now is the time to dispense the medication to, to treat the cholera. That too is a problem. That flu, that little cold is also a problem. But it doesn't make sense trying to treat the flu when the person is suffering from cholera. This is the priority. The most crucial 
aspects that are affecting him will be treated first. The person is now suffering a heart attack also, and at the same time he's suffering a flu, then nobody's going to pay attention to the flu. Treat his heart attack first. Flu will worry about just this now, later. So likewise, this has become the cholera, or now cholera is no more word anybody really rings a bell with anyone. But this is the pandemic of the time. This is the spiritual pandemic. That a person's iman is being drained out on the streets, at airports, on his phone, in bazaars, in the malls, and here, there and everywhere. Iman is being drained out through all this haram that is all over the place. The nudity, the immorality, the shamelessness. And then the flood of all this in every person's hand. So if he's far away from every street also, far away from the malls, far away from the beaches and far away everywhere else, he's sitting in the quietest corner of his home, but he's got more filth than the whole world in his hand. Because he hasn't decided to get rid of this tool of shaitan from his system. He's allowed it to take hold of him, to let his tentacles sink deep into his heart. And now the poison of shaitan is all the time being injected into that heart. So it becomes a, an addiction. And then the person, like any other addiction, he realizes where this is heading, where this is taking him. It's going to cause so much of damage, spiritual damage, damage his iman, damage his life, damage his marriage, damage everything. But like other addictions, people are in denial. Person remains in denial. Allah Ta'ala forbid Allah save us. Person remains in denial and just, well, no, I'm not in an addict to this. And just in passing, I just did something. But in passing, passing until he's passing away. I think just carries on. And in the meantime, so many other things are all being damaged and complete uh, destruction all around him in so many ways. But that just becomes a cycle. Shaitan grabs hold of the heart in such a way with all that poison that he injects in it. This becomes the cycle. This becomes the vicious cycle. So that the person now, this has become the means of now getting caught up in this. He, he feels that now, okay, one more time, I'll just satisfy my own, all my desires in this way, and then I'll be done, and then I'll come right. But now he's actually, by feeding into that one more time story, that one more time is just deepening the roots of the malady. That one more time is just strengthening the malady within him. Just making everything even more stronger, that evil within him is getting stronger. So now for that short moment thereafter, for a while, one hour, two hours, one day, two days maybe, he feels well okay now. But meanwhile the, the matter has now become even more deep rooted. So now when he comes back after two days, three days, one week maybe, he'll come back with a vengeance and he'll come back with greater intensity. So what level of spiritual energy was required to dispel it the first time, to suppress it the first time, but he failed, he didn't have that energy, now he's going to need even more energy. And already he's on the back foot. Already he drained the iman out. So already he's weakened himself, like a person now needs more energy to run away from that thief, but he's become sick now, so he's even more weaker. So he was fine, 
maybe this week, but now he made himself even weaker, and now he needs even more strength to run from the team, from the person who tried to harm him. Likewise, now Shaitan has got the upper hand. But then now he just gives in again. So now he gave in again, and then the same cycle gets worse and worse, Allah forbid where it finishes off. So this is the reason, Hazrat so there was perhaps some bayan, some discussion, where this team would not come in. That was like a rare situation, something in passing now, and was discussed, and this particular topic didn't come in. Let's say this is the pandemic. You see the example of cholera. This is the pandemic of the time. And therefore this is the need of the time. That this be repeated over and over again. So that this hopefully Allah Ta'ala make it such that it becomes a means of protecting ourselves from this major calamity. And from this severe problem. So he goes on to say, Who are you attaching your heart with? And how are you trying to console yourself? Allah ke siwa kisi ko jaan ka sahara banana bewkufi hai. To try to find support for yourself, for oneself, from ghayrullah. To leave Allah ta'ala and try to find someone, something else to console oneself. This is total foolishness. This is stupidity. Jaiz mahabbat. Masalan biwi ki mahabbat bhi is shart se jaiz hai. Ki iski mahabbat par Allah ki mahabbat ghalib hai. Even the permissible mahabbat and love, like a person has love for his wife, even that permissible mahabbat is permissible with a condition. That is permissible, but with a condition. The condition is that even on that mahabbat and love, the love of Allah is over and above it. That because of that love, he doesn't forget Allah. Ta'ala. So that love in itself is not just permissible, it is something that is required. Tazawwajul wadud al-walud. Wadud. First love, what the Bishra says, marry those who are loving. That is matloob. But, with this provision and this condition, that it is subservient to the love of Allah Ta'ala. So a person doesn't then break the commands of Allah Ta'ala to appease somebody else. He will fulfill all the rights of everybody. He will do what best he can. He will show that love, that compassion, that kindness, the consideration. And all this is not just something that is just there. It is highly emphasized. Nabi Akareem Wasallam repeatedly emphasized all this. But not in a way that it crosses the line of Shariat and Deen. That is uppermost. The love of Allah Ta'ala first. <clears throat> Further, Hazrat says, Such kehta ho, asam khake kehta ho. He says, I'm telling you the truth, and I'm taking a kasam in the name of Allah and saying this. This is, how else can you, I mean, just to hear these words, I mean, we can't hear the words now, we're just reading the words, but just merely reading the words, can we imagine what must have been the condition at that time when he was pouring his heart out in this? To drive him to this point to say, I'm taking a qasam and saying this now. And these things should be said in a way where those who had a good opportunity of having uh, attended any of his majalis and programs, that it would actually 
let alone shake the heart, it would shake a person physically too. Those words would come sometimes with such force and in such, with such passion and in such a deep manner, it would leave the heart trembling, sometimes a person left physically trembling too. So that's the kind of passion with which these words would have been said. That I'm telling you the truth and I'm taking a qasam in the name of Allah and telling you. I feel very very sorry for those people as I started off on saying I really feel very very sorry for such people who are giving their lives on Ghayrullah they're giving their hearts to Ghayrullah they're giving their lives to Ghayrullah meaning the haram things Allah is forbidden they're casting haram glances here there and everywhere looking at evil and filth so I really feel very sorry about it. And I'm telling you the truth, I'm taking a qasam in the name of Allah. That I'm feeling extremely sorry for such, such people. And then he further says, Jo koi mere saamne kisi hasin ko dekh leta hai, to bas ji chata hai ke ye abhi mar jata. Mujhe aise logo se sakh taklif hoti hai. See, sometimes in my presence when I just notice that somebody is casting a wrong glance. Now, this is not something that all of us can understand, let alone we start wanting to uh, sort of relate the same kind of wordings and so on. This is people of that caliber and of that level. So you see, I really at that time feel if this person passed away now would have been better. He would have been safe from this haram. That this person is engaged in this haram now, it really pains me very, very deeply. The one who's like a lion and he pounces upon those haram desires and he stamps them out. Like a lion just pounces on its prey and doesn't give it a chance. The person who like a lion pounces on those haram desires and he drinks up its blood. Now this is a figurative way of expressing it, when the lion pounces on its prey, the first thing it does is it grabs it by its neck to drink out its blood, so to say. So now when it drinks out its blood, that prey just falls dead then. Then after that it will do whatever it wants to tear it apart and consume it, but it starts off with, it gets to the very jugular of that animal. So though it may be drinking the blood or not drinking the blood, but that is what it appears to be doing. So that is the the example that Raz is giving here, that, that person who pounces on, on his desires, the haram desires, and he drinks up his blood, this person is very beloved to me. Because this asli bahadur hai, asli jawa mard hai. This is the real brave person. True bravery is this. This person is truly brave. Varna jism to share jeta or harkat bomriyana. Otherwise, the person, mashallah, looking like a lion bodybuilding and weightlifting and mashallah not that to exercise is wrong but not to just for the sake of doing it just to for the external self he is saying now the body mashallah like a lion but the action is like a fox fox is known for its cowardice for it being a very very uh, coward animal it comes in all the damages somebody else has done the killing there's no danger now, 
everybody's gone. Now that fox comes at and the end now he'll whatever he can scavenge now he'll do that. So it looks sometimes very, very brave, but reality no bravery. So that is doesn't make any sense that a person in this manner. Further it goes on to say, Alamat Allah Ta'ala ki muhabbat ki or zamanat Allah Ta'ala ki muhabbat ki or basharat Allah Ta'ala ke milne ki kya hai? What is the sign of the love of Allah Ta'ala being in the heart? What carries along it the guarantee of being blessed with the love of Allah Ta'ala? And what brings along the great tiding that a person will gain Allah Ta'ala? What is this? The answer, Nigaho ki hifazat ki tawfiq. The tawfiq that a person receives of safeguarding his gaze from haram. If he is gaining this tawfiq, Allah Ta'ala is blessing him with the ability to protect his gaze from haram. Then this is a sign that inshallah there is muhabbat of Allah in his heart. This is bringing along the guarantee that he will receive the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. And this is carrying along with it the glad tiding that he will gain Allah's love. If he is receiving this tawfiq, he is being blessed with this ability, then this being blessed with this ability is this time. And otherwise the opposite applies. So the fact that Allah is blessing him with this ability, then this is a sign that he is being blessed with Allah's muhabbat. Jisko bari khushi milni hoti hai, usko tawfiq hoti hai choti khushi qurban kar dene ki. When a person is going to be blessed with some very great glad tidings, some very great glad tidings, then he first is given the ability to sacrifice some small pleasures. That the small pleasures mean nothing, I am getting something big. So that big blessing that is going to come, what is this small thing? It's all just, by the way, dust. Let it be, don't worry about it. So when Allah Ta'ala is going to be blessing somebody with his marifat, with his mahabbat, Allah first gives him the topic of just discarding all these stones and all these waste of time things and gives him the topic of discarding this just superficial pleasure which only seems to be pleasure but it is poison, sugar-coated poison. So the initial taste of it is sweet because first the sugar hits the tongue. Because the poison is wrapped inside. The covering is all very sugary. So now the first thing that hits the tongue is the sugar. So it tastes very sweet. But then by the time it goes down the throat, then the poison already starts taking effect. And then the burning sensation starts. So outwardly it is very very sweet. But it has the worst burn in it. And it is a killer. So the same thing here. When a person is going to be blessed with a very great reward, very great bounty and blessing, it starts off with him gaining the tawfiq and the bounty, the blessing of giving up this haram pleasure. This is then the stepping stone to gaining the very great bounty of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala's muhabbat. Jiske naseeb achche hote hai, isi ko ye aali himmati aur aali hoslagi ata hoti hai. Ke wo nigaan nichi kar leta hai. Somebody who has a great good fortune is coming. There is a great good fortune coming to him. 
he is then blessed with the courage to pave the way for it. So now this huge chuck is going to be coming to deliver something. The person who wants to receive it, he'll pave the way first for it to be able to come in. So Allah Ta'ala gives him the ability to pave the way for it. How? That he will now be given the topic of protecting his gaze from haram. And this ability that has come to him is a sign that there is something very great coming along. This is that courage Allah Ta'ala then gives him. Kisi maharam ko nahi dekhta. He doesn't look around at maharam thereafter. Isi bewukufi ki harkat se Allah Ta'ala usko mahfuz rakhte hai. Allah Ta'ala saves him then from such foolishness and stupidity. Isko akal mand bana dete hai. Allah Ta'ala then makes him truly intelligent. Unfortunately, Shaitan deceives the person to think he's very intelligent. Why? Shaitan makes him think, don't worry, you are so smart, you can cover your tracks. You know how to make sure everything is covered well. You can set password, you can talk yourself out of any situation. If somebody seems to catch up with you, you have such a smart way of talking that you can just wiggle yourself past anything. So now this became a sign of intelligence. This became a sign of intelligence. For who? For the person who shaitan has now got over him. Now that which is in reality the height of foolishness. That is the height of foolishness. But shaitan makes that look intelligent. That now I can cover my track very well. I can wiggle myself out of anything. I'm too smart for everybody. But for how long? For how long? Is the time not coming for accountability? Umar bin Abdul Aziz Rahimahullah, very, very great personality, and he had ruled with such justice and in such a wonderful way that his reign and his period of rule became known as part of the Khilafat e Rashida. He became known as the fifth of the Khulafai Rashidin. After Abu Bakr, Umar, Usman and Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhumajma'een. Then there were others also who followed. But these were known as the Khulafai Rashidin before. But then he became known as the fifth Khalifa among the Khulafai Rashidin. Though there were many others in between. Person of very high caliber, very high piety. His zuhud and abstinence from the world was unique and remarkable. He was married in royalty. His wife was the daughter of a king, previous king. Her brothers were rulers in their time. And she had come with all this wealth and jewelry. When he was appointed the Khalifa, he said to her, look, you're going to have to choose. Either you choose to keep all your jewelry and all your wealth and possessions and luxuries but then if that is what you choose then you're going to have to part from me and if you decide to stay with me then you're going to have to part from all this and deposit everything into the Baytul Mal because there were some who had come into rule before him who had usurped some lands and usurped people's things and so on so he believed that all this was unjustly gained this didn't belong to pe- justly to the people who took it he says if you want to keep all this then you part from me and if you want to remain with me 
you're going to have to part from all this. She said, look, I can part with the whole world, but I'll never part from you. Those who, now she knew what she's heading for. Coming from a life of royalty and being accustomed to every luxury of the time. And now to part from all this will mean a very, very austere life, life of extreme simplicity. Such simplicity and such almost poverty that for the day of Eid, their children were crying, we don't have clothes, good clothes to wear for Eid. All the children of the neighborhood already got wonderful clothes to wear for Eid. But the children of the Khalifa didn't have it. And then he goes to the, to the treasurer who he had appointed. The treasurer who he appointed in place, he went to him because now wife was so heartbroken, seeing the children crying. The wife said, please, if something can be done. So he came to the treasurer, the treasurer who he appointed over the Beit al And he said, look, there is some need. If it's possible to give me next month's salary in advance, then next month I won't take anything. So he said, look, very well, no problem. He'll give you next month's salary in advance, provided you give one undertaking. So what's the undertaking? Undertaking, if you can give, that you will still be living till next month and continue with your duties. If you can guarantee that, that you'll still be living till the end of next month, then I can give you the advance salary. But if you cannot guarantee that, again, who can guarantee that? Don't have guarantee for tomorrow. Don't have guarantee for the next moment. So, well, if that is the case, then I'm, I'm helpless. I can't do this. Very well. He accepted it. Accepted what? Accepted the treasurer that he appointed in place. That treasurer is declining this request and he accepted it. And he comes back home and he says to his wife and children that look, either you want that your father should do anything, anyhow, meaning whether it's permissible, impermissible, and go and try and bring this for you, but then he'll burn in the fire of Jahannam. And if you want to make sabr, then we'll all go to Jannah together. He said, no, we all make sabr. This was the Amir meaning of the time, the Khalifa of the time. In any case, this came in, by the way, what we were talking about is, one person asked him once, that what became the turning point in your life? Because in the earlier days, before he became the Khalifa, long before that, he too had a very carefree life. He too was living a different style, different life. So he asked him that what became the turning point in your life? So he replied and said, that I was about to beat my slave. Now in those days, a slave, beating a slave meant nothing. Not that it was right. But people took it as nothing. There's no more slaves anymore. But sometimes that mentality still sticks away somewhere. Nobody owns any slaves. But we sometimes have authority over people. So because we have some... Like in those days the master had an authority over the slave. He owned him. He bought him, sold him. The slave was totally in his control. So if he beat him, who's there to ask? Who's there to take him to task for him? Meaning in dunya nobody. Nobody to ask him anything in dunya. So likewise, unfortunately, that mentality sometimes comes along. That I have authority over somebody, so I can talk to him anyhow. If I'm upset with him, I can sway him, he must just keep quiet. Listen, if I'm using any vulgarity on him, he must just keep quiet. 
you must listen because I'm taking salary. And if he doesn't like it, he must take a walk. Yes, he might take a walk or he might not take a walk. But on the day of Qiyamat, there's going to be no who's in authority over everybody else. Everybody is going to be standing in the same line. And on the day of Qiyamat, when the accountability comes, then it's going to be a different situation. So in any case, this person asked him, that what became the turning point in your life? So he said, I was about to beat my slave. So the slave said something that struck my heart. All he said was, remember, he said it in, a, in Arabic, in, it's more eloquent in that manner. Uzkurin laylata sabihatahu al qiyama. Okay, something of that nature, he said, that remember that night which is going to be followed by the day of judgment. In other words, one night, your night is going to come, meaning, and then is the day of judgment. One day you're going to leave this dunya, and then the day of judgment is coming. So remember that day, meaning today you have the upper hand. Today you can get away with what you think you might want to do. But don't forget, there's a tomorrow. There's a tomorrow, tomorrow of Qiyamah is coming. That tomorrow of Qiyamah will be a different scene. On that day, if a person now is still in, now in the red, he's still in debt, he's owing the rights of people, he has harmed people, hurt people's feelings, sworn at somebody, usurped people's possessions and wealth, whatever else might have happened. And on that day, the payback will happen with the person's amal, with his good deeds. <coughs> and before he knows it, in no time, all his good deeds are all perished. All the salah he performed, the zakat he gave, the fast he kept, the umrah upon umrah he performed, the hajj upon hajj he performed, the many other good deeds he did, which are all very good, mashallah, excellent. The service to deen that he might have done, everything, excellent. But then he got dished out to somebody else, dished out to people who were harmed in dunya. And then, nothing left to give, but the accounts are not settled yet, so well, fine, you take the other person's sin now. Hurt this person, you take his sins. Swat that person, take his sins. You did this to this person, take his sins. So now came with mountains of good deeds, but going to Jahannam with other people's sins. Allah Ta'ala save us. This is what Nabi, Nabi Kareem Sallallahu called a real pauper, a bankrupt person, muflid. That he comes with many good deeds on the day of Qiyamah, but ends up going to Jahannam with other people's sins. So, we digress from some point that we are discussing. In any case, what the point was, that Umar bin Abdul Aziz, he says, this, this struck my heart. That remember there is a day of Qiyamah coming. And then I worried about it. That how am I going to answer on the day of Qiyamah? So that became the means of the turnaround. That I need to prepare myself for that day when I will stand in front of Allah Ta'ala. And I'll give an account of my salah, I'll give an account of my zakat, of my fasting, of my hajj, but I also have to give an account of hukukul ibad. I'll have to give an account of whether I fulfill the rights of people, whether I stayed clear of hurting people unduly, whether I committed any excesses with regards to people's rights. That too I'll have to give an account for. So now I need to prepare for that. 
I need to settle all the things in dunya by seeking people's forgiveness if I've hurt them, if I've taken something wrongfully to return it, if I'm owing people things to make sure that gets settled, whatever the situation is, to make sure my records are clean and clear. Because on the day of Qiyamah then it's too late, once life has gone from dunya, we gone, then it's too late. While we're still around, we have the opportunity, we have the chance. So, coming back to what we were discussing here is, that can't even recall from which point we digressed into this discussion, but nevertheless, کسی نامحرم کو نہیں دیکھتا ایسی بیوقوفی کی حرکت سے اللہ تعالیٰ اس کو محفوظ رکھتے ہیں اس کو اقل مند بنا دیتے ہیں اللہ تعالیٰ makes such a person truly intelligent he can discern then what is worth giving one's life to and what is just a deception what he is just appeasing his nafs with which is going to cause immense destruction and therefore he should steer clear from it he will be able to discern that Otherwise he just goes headlong into his desire, but that is leading down the path of destruction. Further to say that, وہ جانتا ہے کہ ان کو دیکھنے سے کچھ نہیں ملے گا, بلکہ اللہ چھوٹ جائے گا. Such a person who Allah is blessed with his intelligence, he then gains the realization that by casting his haram glances he's going to get nothing, but he's going to lose Allah Ta'ala. He's going to gain nothing but lose Allah Ta'ala. What height of foolishness this will be. That he is prepared to lose Allah Ta'ala for this filth of dunya. This is the point to reflect on. This is that Muraqaba to sit and make. What am I prepared to lose? And for what? I'm prepared to sacrifice gaining the nearness of Allah Ta'ala to gain the nearness of haram, to gain the nearness of some illicit relationship. And in the process, I lose Allah Ta'ala. Is this one, one iota of any intelligence in this? Or is this the height of foolishness? But shaitan mesmerizes the mind. That a person's intelligence is enchanted. And his mind doesn't work. He heard about all the stories of how he destroyed this person and destroyed that person and what happens there, here. He knows all the stories. But his mind just gets blanked out. And then afterwards he says, I don't know what happened. What happened is, person jumps into fire, he knows he's going to get burned. But then after jumping in the fire, he says, I don't know what happened. Every person knows you jump in the fire, you're going to get burned. Only a person who is totally insane, before jumping in the fire also he doesn't know he'll get burned. So either a person is claiming from before I was totally insane, or then he has to admit, I made friends with shaitan. And shaitan then put the lid on my intelligence. Because I joined the wrong company. I joined the company of shaitan. So say shaitan shunted the intelligence. Now I couldn't see good from bad couldn't make the difference out. And then, the only thing that becomes a person's focus is fulfillment of desire. That becomes his be-all and end-all. How to fulfill desire, that is it. 
But the way that he's leading Job, but Shaitan just keeps that in the back of Sorry, you are the exception. Every rule was an exception. This rule, you the exception. That's the thing Shaitan puts on his heart and mind. This particular situation, you the, you, nothing will happen to you, don't worry. And that is actually Shaitan's hook to keep reeling the person in and then make everything happen to him. Allah Ta'ala protects us and saves us. This is the lesson and the message Hazrat Yusuf gives throughout his life. And every discourse, every talk, every program, every majlis, almost every time this will come in as the lesson that get to Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala, attach ourselves to Allah Ta'ala, detach ourselves from Ghayrullah, don't get close to things that will distract us from Allah Ta'ala. This is the path of progress and success in dunya also. And this is the path of success in the Akhirat. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.